percent. State Senator Ed Meyer says this kind of break for shoppers actually works to boost the state's economy. We want to attract people to our stores, to our economy, and, and turn around. Fran Schneider, WCBS 880 News. WCBS News Time 707 to the roads with Tom O'Hanlon coming right up. At Curry Subaru, you get it all a great price and an exceptional shopping experience. And right now, do it. Oswald Chambers once said, bet you wonder what happened to us. Oswald Chambers once said, the best measure of a spiritual life is not its ecstasies, but its obedience. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Boy, that was a little scary, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Someone well, else is talking. Yeah, aren't we supposed to be talking? <laughs> so, Jonathan, what is the subject for this fine Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what does it cost to follow Jesus? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And here we are in the 21st century, and Christianity has really taken on a different look than when it all began. It's a lot more noise, kind of like the beginning of the program. <laughs> See, that was symbolic. That's there what that you was. go. So we did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is following Jesus all about? Is it costly? Is it pleasant? Can we customize our following of Jesus to our personal preferences? Kind of like creating a designer Jesus just for us. Oh, wow. Hmm, can we do that? Hmm. How do we know if we're really following him or if we are following our own idea of what we would like Jesus to be? Folks, stay with us as we try to get our arms around what true discipleship is and how we can fully be immersed in the following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. So that's the question, what does it cost to follow Jesus? And, and Jonathan, to get right into this subject matter, to figure out what the cost of discipleship is, what we want to do is focus on one of Jesus' teachings throughout the program and expand it from there. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14 and going over verses 25 to 35 throughout the program. All right. So if you've got a Bible and you sort of want to find a home base, that's where it's going to be. We're going to continually come back to that. And our theme text is right in the middle of that. That's right. So let's get started with that right here and right now. And again, the whole theme here is what does it cost to follow Jesus? Now, large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And boy, first thing Sunday morning, you start out with a statement like that and you say, what? <laughs> how, come, how, how, could, how could Jesus say something so harsh? So, Well, the first thing I would think of, being a Jew, because most of his audience were Jewish, the losses were supposed to honor right. our mother and father. What did he just say? Yeah, yeah, it just does not make any sense whatsoever. Now, the first thing in that scripture, the first thing you notice from Luke fourteen twenty five is now large crowds are going along with him. And we have 
Christianity has, and, and folks, we're going to be really, really blunt this morning about discipleship because uh, it is, uh, and we're going to give you a Rick. I'm going to give you a Rick and Jonathan opinion. It is <laughs> our opinion that Christianity just is is missing the boat with much of what discipleship is really all about. Okay, first example: Jesus has these large crowds following him. Now, when you have a large crowd, you say, "Well, bigger is better, right?" Well. More people, more people, more people. That's awesome. Right. Sure. You, you want to have lots of people. Yeah. And you want to have more people, and you want to have more people. Okay, so if you have this enormous crowd, why would Jesus say something like that? Doesn't that sort of turn the crowd off? Doesn't that, that kind of like get them to say what you just said? Like, what What did he just say? Exactly. So it seems like Jesus is discouraging the crowd. He means hate your family. What Jesus? Are you sure it's the same Jesus that said this? You know that says love your enemies. Right. And, and we're going to explain it in a moment. So 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 don't jump to a conclusion because Jesus didn't really mean to hate your family. And we're going to get to that in a moment. We're going to put it in perspective. But we're talking about discipleship and the amazing cost of discipleship. And there is an amazing cost. So let we want to start by going to a soundbite, and this is for a. Uh, um, it was from a book called, I think it was called Not a Fan. I think it was what the book was called. And there was a trailer for a, a, a Christian movie uh, by the same n- name, Not a Fan. And this is very interesting. Let's listen to this. This isn't church. It's business. The sooner you learn that, the better. A fan is simply defined as an enthusiastic admirer. So let me just come right out and ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus, or are you really just a fan? And Jonathan, we're going to come back to that question over and over and over again. Are you a follower of Jesus, or are you just a fan? Because a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. And we're going to be talking about the world of fandom as we go through this, this whole program. But that is, the, to me, the most piercing question uh, for this morning. Are you a fan of Jesus, or are you a follower? If you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time. Okay, so now let's get back to the statement that Jesus made in the King James Version. Says He says you have to hate your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even your own life. It's like... <laughs> hate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Sign up. <laughs> Sign up for this. Sign up for this right here. The word for hate doesn't have to mean hate in the sense that we understand it. No, Rick. Uh, the Greek word means to love less. Okay. So, and what that is saying is Jesus is really saying perspective. I want you to have, if you're going to follow me, you have to have the right perspective. He says, if you don't love your family and your father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters less than me, you can't follow me. You cannot be, and he uses a very specific word here, he says you cannot be my disciple. Now, Mm -hmm. Now, what is a disciple? It's a learner or a pupil. Now, the purpose of being a disciple is to do what? It's to grow up and change your life to become like your teacher. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of uh, of being a, a disciple is is to fashion everything that you are to become what your teacher is is living and teaching. Because you esteem him wise, right? Right, and you want to 
live up to that standard that you're seeing and appreciate about him. So that's the difference, fan versus follower. And when we say follower, we really do mean disciple. Not like a follower on Twitter. Right? Hey, you can follow us on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> all right? And, but that's a different kind of a follower. And that, that's really fandom. It's mm-hmm. really being a fan when you follow on Twitter. Now, see, we're going to confuse the whole matter, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> the idea is what does it cost to be a true disciple, a true, true follower of Jesus? Let's look at Matthew ten twenty four and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he becomes like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign you as members of his household? Now, when you look at that scripture, Jesus, again, this is a t- direct teaching of Jesus, and he's saying, you as a disciple, you're not above me, I'm your teacher. This is Jesus speaking. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, if they are going to call me uh, a Beelzebub, which is, now, now when you think about Beelzebub, what is Beelzebub? Well, the, the word comes from Baal. Okay, now Baal. Which is a false god. Right, a very, very popular, uh, a very um, uh, uh, deceptive, false God, idolatrous approach to life from the Old Testament. And if you remember uh, uh, Elijah. Oh, yes. I mean, the whole thing about Baal and, and, and Israel was, was turning the wrong choose direction. Choose this day right. who you will serve. Right, right, right. He wasn't saying choose this day who you will cheer for. He was saying choose this day who you will serve. And so he's saying if if I am called from the house of Baal, then you're certainly going to be in that situation too. So the true followers will be... Maligned. Okay. Now, who was it that called him this this word? And and that's the that's the sad thing about it is the the ones that called him uh, of the house of Baal were the were the spiritual leaders of Israel. Wow. So you know. So even us today, other spiritual Christian leaders could call other followers of Jesus the same thing. And and the whole point is there's a cost to discipleship, and it's not. A ticket to popularity necessarily, and so again, and you and you say, well, why wouldn't it be? We're going to open that up as we go. If you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Jonathan, let's continue now because we want to get a few more things in here before the segment is over. You know, so this is not a path of ease, comfort, and popularity. Uh, you know, you put your your your, your family uh, second. It's a lousy path. So how do we harmonize all of this harshness from Jesus with the next statement? Because this is a whole. Now this is Jesus speaking as well. Matthew eleven twenty eight and twenty nine. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Oh, Rick, now that sounds comfortable. It does. And it's true. Just like the other things are true. So how can, can you know, is he, he's right and he's right. You know, Tev, you have to on the right. 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 <laughs> yeah, how could that be? How could both of those be true? And this is what we want to lay out and discuss with you this morning on the cost of discipleship. So to help to illustrate true sacrifice and discipleship, we have a story for you. It's a simple and yet very dramatic story that we're going to use throughout the program to ist- illustrate sacrifice and dis- discipleship. And it does revolve around baseball, and I do love baseball. I am a fan of baseball, okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll open that up a little bit more. But this is the Kevin Jordan story, and most of this takes place in year 2011 and 2012. It's opening day of the 2012 Wake Forest baseball season. 20-year-old Kevin Jordan is a redshirt freshman set to start in left field. We were really 
really, really excited to see what he could do once he's finally on the field. He was under a microscope at that point. It's a day that almost didn't happen. A baseball dream that almost wasn't realized. Until a gift from someone willing to risk everything. Someone Kevin Jordan barely knew. All right, until a gift from someone willing to risk everything from someone Kevin Jordan barely knew. Now take that thought and let's look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 to 9. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So there seems to be a parallel between this giving of a gift that would be very, very costly in the Kevin Jordan story, which we don't even know what it is yet, but we're going to find out. And I know we might run the segment just a little bit long, but I want to go to another soundbite just to sort of lay the story out on the uh, Kevin Jordan story. So, Fred, let's do that. In April 2010, after more than 20 doctor's appointments and five months of uncertainty, Kevin and his family finally received a diagnosis. Ankyovasculitis is a rare autoimmune disorder that causes kidney failure and is fatal if left untreated. To save his kidneys, doctors started Kevin on an intensive course of dialysis three times a week, along with steroids and chemotherapy treatments. Two months after the diagnosis, Kevin, once projected to be a first round pick, was taken in the 19th round by the New York Yankees. When I was drafted, I was in a hospital getting the tubes put in me to do dialysis. I wasn't worried about college or pro. I was kind of worried about how I'm going to get back healthy. So you have this young man in a, in a situation where now he's got uh, a serious kidney disease and uh, has great, great promise, but because of this great disease, uh, he doesn't even worry about what his success could be. He just is worrying about staying alive at this point. That's right. That's right. And doesn't that kind of fit with the whole picture of mankind being stuck in the disease of sin? Just this, saying. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, what does it cost to follow Jesus? Coming up. Talk about sacrifice. Kevin Jordan's family members undergo medical tests to see if they are a donor match. Hear what happens. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now and our website ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we have a tremendous, exciting announcement uh, regarding Christian Questions Radio. Uh, we start on Monday, we start a weekday program. That's why, right, we're going five days a week with a 30-minute program in Orlando, Florida on 1190-AMT. Uh, if you know anyone in Orlando area, uh, tell them about this new version of our weekly two-hour program. It's called Christian Questions Daily, and we're looking to see some other cities 
take on this great new bite-sized version of Christian. Sunday morning is the mouthful. That's okay. right. Uh, the weekdays from 12 to 1230. Just bite-sized. On 1190 AM is the bite-sized version. And trust me, Jonathan, when we first talked about uh, taking two hours and resizing it for 30 minutes, I was, let's just say, a tad bit skeptical. Yep. <laughs> but the feedback so far has been great, and we're looking forward to the weekday Christian Questions Daily growing uh, throughout years to come. And all our supporters and on our on our on air team are really excited to be starting tomorrow in Orlando on 11:90 a.m. How exciting! It is, and uh, you know when when you think about it, you go back over the last few years and where we've been and and what we started out as, uh, uh, you know, several years ago, and then just even four years, we started really working on on growing and developing the program. Yes. And, and you can see how God has really blessed this. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of blessing, and uh, so this is a whole new version of Christian Questions called Christian Questions Daily. Very very exciting, folks. We're glad to tell you about it. And what a privilege! It is an amazing privilege. And really, it does fit in well with our discussion on the cost to follow Jesus. Because you know what? It's a lot of work. It is. But that being said, let's get back to our main subject. And we're looking at what does it cost to follow Jesus. In the first segment, we heard some comments or statements by Jesus which were very harsh. You know, uh, hate your, your, your mother and father and your family, meaning love less, meaning have the right perspective. Yep. He's saying, don't be surprised if you are called uh, essentially children of the devil. Yeah, maligned, yep. So, and, and, then he, and then there's the other side of it says, you know, um, you know, come to me all you that are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Which sounds great. <laughs> right. How do you balance the two? We're looking at following Jesus and using the, the, the picture of being a fan or are you a follower? A disciple. A fan just cheers and says, yay, yay, yay. A follower, a disciple is looking to become involved in the game, so to speak. So just, uh, and let, let's just read verse 27. We're focusing on Luke chapter, what is it, Luke 14, right? Yeah, 14. Yep. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's a very straightforward statement. So what well, does Rick, that mean? Rick, the Jews, they knew what that meant. Carrying a cross, they right. witnessed that um, for prisoners that were executed. Right, right. Constantly. Do we know what it means to carry a cross? I don't know. See, I don't and, think so. And, and I think that's an important issue we want to discuss uh, here in this segment. What does it mean to carry a cross? And folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. We want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Uh, Jonathan, quick scripture, a little sidebar as to where the label Christian came from. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through uh, tw- well, 25, and, uh, 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year that they met with the church and taught many people, and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Christian, meaning a follower, a disciple of Christ. So, what and who do we follow? He, well, who we follow is he who took up his cross. And let's take a look at a scripture that describes exactly what that meant. And this is a prophecy of Jesus spoken long before he came. Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. See, now you look at a scripture like that, and it's easy to be a fan of that. To look at Jesus and look at his efforts yeah, and say, Yeah, good job. Right, good job. Yeah, right, way to go. And you can appreciate it and we can love it. But are we followers of that? Meaning, are we willing to try and do the best we can to walk those same steps? Be like our teacher. Right, be right. A, it's okay to be a copycat. <laughs> that's right. 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 Because that's what discipleship is. It's learning it's learning how to become what you've been shown. Not just appreciating it. And and folks, when you look at your own Christianity, ask yourself the question, am I a fan? Or am I a follower? Let's go back to the uh, Kevin Jordan story. Now, we found out that uh, he was in dire straits. This is a young athlete. He's only like 19 years old at this point in his life. Um, Has great, great promise, but has a tremendously serious kidney disease. So let's hear. And this came from E60. Uh, We found this on on, um, YouTube. E60 under sacrifice. He was taking 35 pills a day. The doctor walked through all that. He said, look, medication's not going to fix this. You're going to need a kidney transplant. I think they were a little stalled, and we were a little worried, too, because we were worried about maintenance of the scholarship. I remember that conversation very specifically. He said, is Kevin's scholarship going to be good? And I said, absolutely. There isn't any question Kevin's scholarship's going to be good. At Wake Forest, in between classes, Kevin had to hook himself up to a dialysis machine in his dorm his parents and brother underwent a series of medical tests to determine if any of them could donate a kidney to Kevin. As long as I live, I'll never forget that day when I got the call. It was out of my control and I couldn't. Think about that. You know, your, 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 your child is got, needs a kidney. And so your gut reaction as a parent is, I'll give them one of mine. Right, absolutely. And so the parents and his, and his brother, they all go through this long battery of tests, and they find out that none of them can do it. And so you're there, and, and your child, whom you, you would give your life for, is, is now vulnerable because, okay, now what? I, we, I can't help my kid. I can't do it. It's out of my hands. And so you see this, this sense of a, there's a need that we can't fill for one another. That's a scary feeling. And, and doesn't that kind of sound like the need that humankind has being in sin, sickness, and death, and that we can't bail ourselves out of it? That's for sure. So there's a definite parallel that we're going to draw in, in looking at what true sacrifice really is in the story of Kevin Jordan. We're going to come back to that uh, in just a moment. But just feel, feel the, 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 the frustration of, of his mother saying, I knew that day it was out of my hands. That's, in, that's interesting. It's a hard thing. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. If you're a disciple, then you look at that and say, Okay, if it was Jesus' food, his nourishment to do the will of God, then if I'm a disciple, that means it's supposed to be my nourishment to do the will of God as well. Yes, so God's will in our lives is primary, not secondary. Right. Okay. Right, that's what discipleship is. Now, if you're a fan, you can say, "Yay, Jesus, you did such a good job, and we're gonna we're gonna appreciate that forever." And that's good, but that's and, and take this the right way. That's childish, because that is not what Jesus is looking for from his disciples. He's not looking for us to to cheer him on, to cheer for his 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 accomplishments. What he's looking for us to do is to be involved, and and we have to 
according to Jesus, carry our own cross. Focus on the labor and leave the rest uh, to God. Let's look at Matthew 20, uh, 20 to 23. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on your right and on your left. So so she says, and there's a typical mom wanting to make sure her her sons are in great shape. Yep. You know, hey, I know Jesus. I know the master. I'm going to put in a good word for my boys because they're following him. They're his disciples. So they are the best boys because they're mine. Of course, I'm you know adding to this. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure. I'm going to ask Jesus if if one of them can be when Jesus comes into his great power and glory. One can be on his right hand and one can be on his left. That because those are my sons. So what's Jesus' answer? You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, My cup you shall drink. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. So Jesus gives a very, uh, again, about as wise an answer as you could ever even imagine. Without he, putting them down. Right. I really like that. Right. He looks at them and says, okay, can you go through the things I'm going to go through? Are you willing to do that? And they said. We, we will. Yes. Yeah, we'll do that. He said, great. He didn't say great, but, you know, he meant great. Okay? <laughs> He's saying, you will, but I can't grant you that status. That's left up to God. But did they know what they were answering to? No, they didn't. But they, they had the willingness to, to put themselves out, and they would be later tested. Yes. And, and that's the point. If we have the willingness to put ourselves out, are we going to be willing to be later tested? You know, it's one thing to say it. And follow through with it. Right. That's the next part. So the, the only sure thing is for us to drink the cup of sacrifice. That means carry your cross. And Jonathan, what does a cross mean again? You, you mentioned it, it before. It means death. Christianity, true Christianity sounds intense. Yeah, it, it is. It's intense. It means death. It means sorrow. It means, it means suffering. That's what it means. And Jesus used the cross, that symbol of sorrow, suffering, and death, as the symbol of what Christianity was to be. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Uh, Thanks for tuning in with us every Sunday morning, live from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and any time at ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It is a free service, and you can get all of the scriptures we're talking about and a lot of the commentary and graphics and illustrations. Bonus material. Every single week, and it's free, and there's no obligation. And if you decide you don't want it, you can unsubscribe with a click of a button. Sign up at ChristianQuestions.com. That's CQ Rewind, the full edition. Let's go back to the story of Kevin Jordan, because this young man is in a bad situation he needs a kidney transplant and nobody in his family is able to uh, step up because it just it just won't work it's, it's a failure waiting to happen so now what happens no one in kevin's family was a viable match he was placed on the national organ donor wait list which has an average wait time of four to five years I pulled his dad aside and I just said, hey, look, if you need me to get tested, just let me know where to go and what to do. I'll I'll get tested today. Now, who was that speaking? That's his coach at Wake Forest. Really? This is his coach at Wake Forest. Now, Now, understand something. Kevin, first of all, is a freshman. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, Kevin has not even played on the team yet. He was given a scholarship because of his incredible talent. And his coach goes to his father and said, look, you need me to get tested? I'm there. And you think, wait a minute, who are you? You don't even know this kid. But he had this willingness. He offered something amazing. To sacrifice. Because, you know, this is not just a, this is not saying, oh, draw a pint of blood and, you know, give it to him and everybody will be happy. And, of course, we don't know if it's going to be a match or not at this point. Right, right. But he's willing to at least put himself through the testing. And, and again, it gives you a sense of this willingness to sacrifice beyond what most of us would consider. And doesn't that picture what Jesus was willing to do. Let's look at Matthew 20, verses 24 to 28. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is the continuing of the, of the conversation before, you know, put well, my sons at your right and left hand. Yeah, the tenants say, wait, what about me? Yeah. Hey, this isn't, what are you doing? And, and, <laughs> and Jesus' response to calm them all down is, look, the, those who are going to be greatest must be the greatest servants of the rest. He's saying that's what this is about. And, he, and he's basically saying, look at me. This is how I'm living. This is what I'm doing. So to carry our cross is to willingly embrace a life of humility, servitude, suffering, and sacrifice. Do it willingly. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? Kevin Jordan is running out of time. Will his coach be a donor match? Will anyone else step up? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, I just wanted to mention one other quick thing about uh, Christian Questions Daily, the new half-hour program we're starting in Orlando, Florida. Yes. Uh, starting on Monday from 12 to 12.30, from noon to 12.30. Folks, if you want to listen live, you can do that. You can go to the Orlando website. Uh, again, it's 1190 AM WAMT. You just... Uh, you. You Google that, you go to their, their website, you click Listen Live at Noon, and hey, there we will be. We'd love to hear your response and, and thoughts on that. So uh, let us know. You can email us at rick, R-I-C-K, at christianquestions.net. Jonathan, let's get back to this subject matter, um, the idea of being a follower and not just a fan of Jesus. Now, Jesus, in his teaching in, in Luke chapter 14, basically said, okay, you've got to put me first. And then he said, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to take up your cross. Now, if you follow human thinking, we're all going, huh, what, wait a minute, this is different than I thought. So his next phrases in his teaching address exactly the question you'd be asking yourself, like, what am I getting myself into? Right. And here, here's what he says. For which one of you, when he wants 
to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if it, he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So he's saying, Yes, I'm asking for a lot, and you should consider the steps you're going to take the way you would consider the, 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 the process of building a tower. You don't want to start building it and end up stopping in the middle because you were foolish and didn't plan it out. Right. So let's take a look at what this idea of counting the cost might be looking like. And, and, and Jesus actually helps us to understand. He helps us to understand everything. <laughs> but he helps us to understand this specifically in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. See, there's it, there it is. And look, and there's nothing wrong with such enthusiasm. And we encourage that kind of enthusiasm. Yes, we should have that desire to do that. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus' answer to that enthusiasm, again, doesn't sound like he's saying, Great, come on, jump on board, we have room for you. No, it sounds like, um, think about this, wait, uh, you know, <laughs> make sure you know what you're saying. He's saying, okay, you can follow me, but we don't know where, where we're going to sleep tonight, or the night after, or the night after, just so you know. And so what he's doing is he's saying, okay, I'm willing for you to follow me, but just understand you're walking into a life that's full of uncertainty in a lot of ways that you're not used to. So he's giving them fair warning. So Jesus gives fair warning of the conditions that discipleship might bring. There's this uncertainty because you're doing something so different. So that's the first point. There are conditions to discipleship. And so uh, another person comes up to him. And he said to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Now that just sounds harsh, doesn't it? It does. And how many times do you hear people talking about Jesus and quoting all of these harsh statements that he's making about following him? The, the, the fact that the follower was saying, my father... See, the follower wasn't saying, you know, my, my, my father just died yesterday, I need to go bury him. No, he didn't. Okay, because that's a whole different issue. What he's saying is, my father is old, let me see him through to the end of his life... And, and, and then, you know, finish. And as soon as I'm done with that, then I will come run and follow you. And Jesus is saying, no. He's saying, if you are deciding to follow me now, you should follow me now. You should have the right priorities mm. of what discipleship is. So no matter what comes at you in life. Right. Right. Okay. Always Jesus first. That's the priority. See, a fan doesn't always put their team first. They take care of everything else. And then when it comes you know, time for their, the game that they're going to and cheer for, then the team comes first. But a follower is in the game. And if you're in the game, you have to act like the athlete who is, who is participating. So you've got conditions and you've got priorities. And then another person comes to Jesus in the same context of Luke 9, and here's what he says. I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So this follower who says, "Look, I'll follow you, but just hey, let me just go say goodbye. I, you know, I'll be back. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm, I'm going to be there. You know, and that, that's really what he's saying. And Jesus' response is, this follower had had great attachments to his earthly ties. And Jesus was saying that discipleship requires attachment to the cause first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
That's what it costs to follow Jesus. That's love family less. Right. Okay. So to count the cost, to understand the conditions of discipleship, so we can be sure our priorities are in order, and so we can release any unnecessary attachments. That's what discipleship is really, truly all about. And... um, Let's. We're going to go back to the uh, the uh, Kevin Jordan story. Uh, in in and well, let let's just before we do that. Just before we do that, quick quick little story about being a fan. Okay. Okay. I love baseball. I love the New York Yankees. Yes, you do. And uh, my family, my my daughters and my wife and I got. And this was pure luck. We got to go to the game where Derek Jeter hit his got his three thousandth hit. Oh, neat! Big historic game, and it was fun, Jonathan. It was I can't describe to you as a fan how much fun it was. And he had a home run, no less. Oh, I mean, cool. and and the place goes nuts. And my daughter's taking a video. When you look at the video, it's bouncing up and down because she was jumping and screaming. <laughs> we just it was exciting and it was exhilarating. But at the end of the day, my life was the same because I was a fan cheering for somebody in their personal accomplishment, and it didn't do anything to change my life. It didn't do anything to focus or direct my life. There's a difference between being a fan and then doing, being the one who does all the work and, and slaves all of those hours to become that athlete to be able to accomplish something so amazing. There's a difference. That is. And it's fun to be a fan. Sure. But it's engaging to be a follower. And that's what this is really all about. Let's go back to the story of Kevin Jordan. Coach Walter underwent a six-week battery of tests to determine if he was a viable match. On January 28, 2011, he was running the first team practice. I had my phone with me that day because I was waiting for that call. About an hour into practice, I stepped aside. She said, Coach, we found out you're a match. And I said, thank God. Now think about that. It, first of all, it was a six-week battery of tests. You know, to me, you think, okay, they do a blood test and they tell you an hour That's later. That's what I would have thought. <laughs> so you've got to go through this whole massive battery of tests, and then there's the waiting period to analyze the results. And then he gets the call. It says, coach, you're a match. And his response, thank God. Right. Does he remember that something's going to be taken out of his body? Does he remember he's putting his life on the line literally right. for a young man that he barely even knows who's never played a game for him ever? That's right. Does he know? And the answer is yes, he does. But he's willing to do it anyway. Isn't that a great picture of the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf? It is. He was willing to do it anyway. No matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. And and if that is the example of Jesus, and we're looking at the example of, of, of um, Coach Walter here, his response, shouldn't we be following along in those same lines of discipleship? Be willing to do it, not cheer for it, be willing to do it anyway. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this is a scripture, Jonathan, that is talking a lot about the cost of sacrifice. And it's painting a very vivid picture. It's saying, I beseech you. Now, again, that's another word. But I beseech you. Jonathan, I beseech you. What, <laughs> what does that it mean? It means you urge. I urge you. I'm, this is an, an intense uh, 
conversation we're having, and, and I'm wanting you to focus on this. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I urge you. I am focusing you. It's like, it's like a parent when they're, when they're talking to the child, you know, taking their head in their hands and saying, look at me. There's something that I have to tell you. Focus. Right. And so he's getting our attention. He says, by the mercies of God, I am urging you. And then what does he say? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Fans don't do that. No. Fans, look, when we, we There's went, a cost to sacrifice. Look, we, we paid the cost of the ticket, you know, when we went to the baseball game, and, and, and we paid the cost for the food, and we paid the cost for the gas to get down to the stadium and all that stuff. But that's not anything. That's a nothing. That's just to have fun. That's just to cheer. That's just to feel like you're a part of something. This is saying, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your body a living sacrifice. And then holy. So you've got to work at being holy, and righteous. No, right, and none of us are holy. No. We're just full of holes is what we are. And, but I like how he said, but it's a reasonable service. Right. Oh, that sounds nice. Yes, which is your reasonable <laughs> service. And, and re- reasonable service literally means it's a logical service of spiritual worship. So it, what it's saying is, sure, this makes perfect sense because Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. He is calling out certain ones to follow him. It's your logical service of spiritual worship to follow along and to be willing to do what he did and to walk in his footsteps. And how do you do this? By the transforming of your mind. That's how you do this. So there's, there's, there's a, a great lesson here. Let's go back now again to the Kevin Jordan story. And, you know, this story just is building its momentum. It is. And, folks, if we're not on you, in your area for the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live. You want to hear how all this works out. Back to Kevin Jordan. I called Kevin and I just said, what are you doing February 7th? <laughs> he said that uh, his Fred, calendar was uh, free. And I, I said, think, well, I'll meet you in Emory and we'll get this thing done. Number seven? And he said, all right, I'll be there. It was really hard to control emotion when you know you're about to get like a second chance. I just ended the conversation with like a thank you. Like, I wasn't expecting this, but thank you. This seems like a simple question. Why donate? Why donate is, uh, you know, is, is a simple answer. And it's because there was just no way I was going to sit on the sidelines and watch this young man fight for his life when I could help. So, Co- wow. Co- Coach Miller, or Co- Coach Walter, rather, um, labels the difference between a fan and a follower right there. Why donate? Because there's no way I'm going to sit on the sidelines and cheer for him. Say, go, Kevin. I know you're going through a hard thing. Just keep working on it. Keep it up. I'm, I'm, I'm behind you. There's no way I'm just going to do that when I have the ability to actually change the outcome. Wow. There's no, that's the difference between being a fan and being a follower of Jesus. Isaiah 6, 8, Jonathan. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. So doesn't the, the response of, of... This is prophetic, uh, it about is. Jesus, volunteering, yeah. right? Just like Coach Walter just said, I'm volunteering because I can change the outcome. Jesus in heaven, based on that question, who will we send, volunteered and said, here am I, send me. That is prophetic, like you said, of Jesus, but it's prophetic of how we are also supposed to respond to discipleship. Here am I, send me. It's not for us to sit and watch. It is for us rather to stand and fight. Difference between fan and follower. It's not for us to hope for ease and comfort. It's for us to spread the hope and comfort of the gospel. Fan versus follower. You're not hoping for ease, but you're spreading comfort. It's not for us uh, to treasure our own temporal blessings. It's for us to give our temporal lives for the cause of a treasure in in, in heaven. 
fan versus follower. What's the cost of following Jesus? And, and Jonathan, <clears throat> obviously this is a very intense subject. It is, Rick. And for a lot of Christians, this is this may be this may be an uncomfortable discussion to to be having because what we're looking at is we're trying to take away all of the fluff and all of the excitement and say what's underneath it what is the cost to you as an individual to follow Christ now did you know everything that was going to be required of you when you were called to follow Jesus I did not Rick but you went anyway yes I did why I was willing you were willing and you had a love for God and yes. a desire to be filled with spiritual things and folks that's what following Jesus really, really, really is all about. It's not about what you get, it's about what you can give. In the second hour, we're going to finish up the Kevin Jordan story, see how it all works out, and we're going to really delve into the details of discipleship and what is the cost, and even though the cost is great, the rewards are far greater. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back again in the next hour, uh, and again, if we're not on your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, but till then... What does it cost to follow Jesus? Plenty. We'll be back soon to finish. Till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. R. Allen Woods once said, There are no shortcuts to maturity in discipleship. It was, is, and always will be learned over time and under the pressure of walking in union with Christ. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience. And we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what does it cost to follow Jesus? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we're looking at discipleship, following Jesus, and what does it actually cost to do so. And uh, this is an intense subject, Jonathan. It is. Because Christianity today, I think, unfortunately, has really, really watered down the idea of following Jesus uh, and created becoming a, a member of the Jesus fan club. Okay. All right. So a lot of Christianity, I think, is is join now the Jesus fan club so we can cheer for, for all of the wonderful things Jesus did for us and can continue to do for us. But following Jesus, discipleship, is not being a fan of Jesus. It is being a footstep follower, being in the game, not watching the game. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 14. And Jesus teaching on what it takes to be a true disciple. And he's teaching in a harsh way. He's being he very, very, very focused and, and determined to let his audience know that this is tough. And being harsh, many left and stopped following him because of his words. Yes, and, and there were several times where we see that, especially in, in John, I think it's chapter 6. Um, Jesus at one point said, because he's gaining a lot of popularity, mm -hmm. he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. That's right. And it was obviously way misinterpreted. Many and, left. 
And, and that's what the scripture said, many left. So Jesus was never candy-coating what discipleship was, and often I think today we do. So folks, we'd love to hear your thoughts on your discipleship uh, of Jesus. What is it that, that you have experienced in, in discipleship to Christ? Our number is 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about upcoming programs and new update posted. Uh, our website has over 500 archive programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, Jonathan, let's go back to our theme scripture. We were working through this Luke chapter 14 uh, and, and looking at Jesus' teachings. We're on verse 31 now. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough for, with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So Jesus is saying, because he had just finished saying, you know, you have to, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross, your own cross, and follow me. He's saying you have to love your, your family less than you love me. He's, he's putting all these things in perspective. And he's saying it's like a king who's going to set out to go to battle. If he thinks he's going to lose, why is he going to go to battle? You, the idea is you have to... Think about this. You have to realize this is a major commitment. And, and that and that was what you were talking about earlier about counting the cost. Right, right. Jesus is saying following me is a major life-altering commitment. Are you willing to alter your life my way, not your way, my way? See, see what happens, Jonathan, is we like to create for ourselves a designer Jesus. Did you say designer jeans? No, I said a designer <laughs> Jesus. A, 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 a Jesus that fits our lives just right and makes us look really good. Oh. <laughs> but Jesus is, we are supposed to fit his life and to be looking godlike, not really good in the eyes of men. Godlike, godly, I should say, in, in, in the eyes of men. Uh, let's go to a, a soundbite. Um, we've been going through the Kevin Jordan story. This soundbite is not about that. This is from a, uh, um, a site called Life Today. Uh, and it's talking about uh, not being a fan. We've been talking about being a fan versus a follower of Jesus. This is, this is great stuff. Knowledge versus uh, intimacy. Or you could know a lot about Jesus. You could like Jesus in those terms. But that's different than truly knowing him. So, for example, when I was growing up, I had uh, above my bed the poster of Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, you've probably seen the one, the tongue's out, and he's... So I had this poster of Michael Jordan, but next to it I had this big picture that my grandmother had given me of Jesus. So literally I had Michael Jordan and Jesus, and, and I think that captures, especially when I was growing up, how I approached my relationship to Jesus, but on, in a larger context, how many people approach their relationship with Jesus. They want to be like Mike, they want to be like Jesus. You know, they, want to, they know all about Michael Jordan, they can tell you his stats, and they know a lot about Jesus, but that's different than than truly knowing him. And that's profound to me because when you think about it, everybody knows about Michael Jordan, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you can buy a Michael Jordan jersey. It's a number 23. Yeah. And yeah. you can put it on and say, hey, I'm like Mike. No, you are? No, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, you didn't put in the time. Right. You the didn't dedication. dedicate your life to that that purpose of, of excellence. You d and so when we say, oh, I look like Mike. Yeah, you do. And you're a fan and you can cheer and that's wonderful. But that's not what following Jesus is all about. It never happens has been and nor will it ever be following jesus is discipleship not being simply a fan well rick let's go to the phones we have julius from connecticut good morning julius and welcome to christian questions gentlemen good morning congratulations on your new station in uh, orlando florida thank you it's kind of exciting 
starting tomorrow? Starting tomorrow at noon. Uh, noon till uh, twelve thirty. Uh, yes. Wow. That must be exciting for you fellows. The bite-sized version of Christian questions. May the Lord bless the effort. Thank you. Uh, yeah. What does it cost to follow Jesus? Well, uh, looking at Him, the model. You know, uh, I'm sure you have scriptures along this line. You know, he, he is the model. He, his life was one of sacrifice and service for God. I love the, uh, he uh, is styled uh, as a servant in uh, Philippians chapter 2, I don't know, verses 5 and 6, uh, around there somewhere. That's Philippians chapter 2. Uh, a servant. Uh, uh, I like the definition I learned years ago about a servant in respect to uh, discipleship, and that is uh, connecting it to discipleship, that a servant is one that exerts self for the benefit of another. I love that uh, definition. I think it fits so well. So uh, the Lord Jesus was a model. Here's an interesting uh, recollection. I don't know if I think I have the right character in closing. uh, it wasn't Patrick Henry that said years ago, I only regret that I have about one life to give for my country. Do you remember that? Yes, I, I, I think, like I think it was Patrick Henry, but I'm not sure. Thank you. God bless. Thanks, Julius. Appreciate your call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And a good, good example, Jesus fashioned himself as a servant. I mean, here's the Lord of all, fashioning himself as a servant. Why would he do that? Because he wa- that's what was required of him. And therefore, that is what is required of us. Julius, thanks so much for the thoughts and uh, your, 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 your putting together the, the scriptures and, and the example of Jesus as a servant. Uh, Jonathan, let's continue. And folks, look, if you have a thought on discipleship and what it means to you, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, Jonathan, let's go to Romans eight thirty-five to 39, and I ask you, fan or follower, as we read through this? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Simple statement, a fan would not be led as a sheep to the slaughter. No, follower. That's right. This text describes a hardened follower. Not just a follower, but someone who is in it to the end. No matter what. And just like Coach Walter in our story with Kevin Jordan, which which we're coming back to in a moment, he he dedicated himself to that boy's life. He did. No matter what, for his, his own life. And that is a great, great example. So let's, let's finish this scripture. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Jonathan, there you have it. There is this There's no fan there. That's right, a follower. Right. Only a follower would have this kind of conviction and focus on their purpose because a fan is there to cheer. A fan is there to encourage and to feel encouraged, but a fan is not there to be in the game. And once we mentally become a follower, it's like making a covenant, a promise, right. and we can't turn back. Right. We dedicate our lives 
from that point forward. And that's exactly why Jesus never candy-coated it, because he knew it was a covenant of sacrifice, a promise, like you said. Let's go back to the Kevin Jordan story now. It comes time for surgery, where Coach Walter is being willing to be put on the table to have his kidney taken out and given to this young man, man, Kevin, who he hardly even knew, who had never played a single game for him. Let's hear what happens. On the morning of February 7, 2011, at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, 42-year-old Tom Walter gave a kidney to his 19-year-old outfielder who had never played a single game for him. After a five-and-a-half-hour surgery, coach and player awoke. I just remember not feeling sick. It took me probably about 15 minutes to realize that this surgery saved my life. The kidney was functioning beautifully. So it was a pretty emotional moment to know that the kidney was, was doing what, um, what it's supposed to do. I love the way the coach is describing it. He's not saying my kidney was helping him. He's saying the kidney. He had parted himself from that part of his body and had given that part of him freely to this young man. Wow. And, and That's the, amazing. It is. It is. The incredible irony of all this is that a true disciple must be hardened and tough relating to the battle at hand so they can sex- successfully be kind, loving, generous, and giving and selfless. So it's a hard thing, and you have to have that hard outer shell to to be in the game. But it's so you can be kind and loving and generous and selfless and merciful. That's what we're called to be. That's what discipleship is. Now, see, a true fan prepares to watch, to enter into the event emotionally as a spectator. And the true fan, they put on their – look, I have a Derek Jeter jersey. I admit it. (laughs) (laughs) You put on your jersey, you put on your hat, and you go to the game, and you cheer, and you have a wonderful time. But, Rick, a true follower prepares to fight. Right, to actually be in the event, to be on the field, to lay everything on the line. That's the difference between fan and follower. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand it on that evil day. And having done everything... Stand firm. And this is another great example of what following, what discipleship is. You have to be strong in the Lord in the strength of His power. You have to put on the armor of God, not your own. Right. And you have to be in the game because you are fighting a foe that's bigger than you. Um, Let's, again, just very quickly revisit the Kevin Jordan story. Now we've had the surgery, and the surgery appears to be very successful here. So Kevin Jordan, this young, young man, now has the opportunity to live his life again because his coach gave him one of his kidneys. Now that Kevin has had the transplant, what does he expect from life moving forward? His coach and his family have been blessed, and it's possible this kidney will go a very, very long time. Our prayers have been answered. So I will, like I said, we will always be eternally grateful to him. And what that, that sums it up. We will always be, and you can hear her choking up. Oh, yeah. Because this man, who barely knew my son, stepped up and voluntarily saved my son's life. And doesn't that show us the, the dedication of Jesus? John fifteen twelve and 13. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life with this for his friends. And doesn't the, 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 the Kevin Jordan story, his coach is showing us in a small way what that laying down your life really can mean. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? Coming up, we are called to be stewards of the mysteries of God. What does that mean? Are we up for it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to check out CQ Rewind. CQ Rewind, you want to sign up. Listen to me. I am telling you, you want to sign up for the full edition of CQ Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> it is a free service. And it, look, folks, we're talking about discipleship today. We're talking about the cost of discipleship. And part of what Seeker Rewind, the full edition, does is it helps to put the program in perspective in written form afterwards. Because for us, it's a way to enhance discipleship. It's a way to really try to get the meat of the, uh, of the subject matter so you can make it apply to your lives and have it be a life-changing experience rather than just something you say, yeah, that was good. It's okay to say, yeah, that was good, but how are we living the gospel? That's what Seeker Rewind really is all about. Seeker Rewind, the full edition, exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com. You need to sign up for it. It's a real simple thing, and you will not be sorry. Don't just be a fan. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And you can follow us on Twitter, too. Don't forget that. Don't forget the following on Twitter. And check us out on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook while you're at it. All kinds of ways to to stay in touch. Uh, Jonathan, back to discipleship. We're looking at Luke chapter 14, and Jesus has been sort of making it harder and describing. He's not pulling any punches when he talks about what it is going to cost to follow him. You're right. And something else is coming up. Yeah, so it it was not enough to count the cost. No. It was not enough to love your parents and family less. less. Uh Uh-huh. It was not enough to take up your cross. Right. But here's what he says in verse 33. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. So come on now. Hold on. All of it. All of it. Give it up. So you're thinking, well, what are you? Who in their right mind is going to follow this guy saying all of these things? And what this does is this says this is weeding out those who would just be fans and saying, if you are about my father's business as I am, these are the things that I think are necessary for you to, to, to do. So let's talk about this idea of giving up all your own possessions. Does that mean we should be – how's your cardboard box on the street? Is that where you're living? <laughs> well, I, I shouldn't have a cardboard box. <laughs> I gave it up. <laughs> so is that what Jesus is asking us for here? Luke – I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. Let a man regard us in this manner – as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. All right, so a steward in scriptural terms, in biblical times, a steward is one who cares for his master's goods as though they were his own. That's right. Okay, so let's take that concept of stewardship. You're caring for something that does not belong to you 
as though it did. Okay, so after you give your heart to the Lord, everything you possess, you give over to God. Say, this is yours, it's not mine anymore. Right, right. Now, now what do you do with it? So, well, well, before we get to that, though, what mysteries are we talking about here? Because this is, you're supposed to be a steward of the mysteries of God. Well, what mysteries? Well, let's take a look at those mysteries, because I think it'll help to answer that question you just asked. Col- Excellent. Colossians 1.27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if you are a steward of the mysteries of God, and one of these mysteries is Christ in you, the hope of glory, this mystery uh, we're to care for is within ourselves. That's right, within us. Right. So now, how do we handle that? Let's look at 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So essentially, all that we have, all that we are, all that we say, all that we do, uh, does not belong to us. That's right. It belongs to God. We have been bought with a price. So the idea idea of stewardship, if you follow through in these three scriptures, helps us to understand that no, Jesus is not saying that you have to literally sell every possession that you have. But he is saying that literally every possession that you have is to be for his honor and glory. To use in his service. Right. Not yours, his. That's hard. It is. That's, and, and most of us look at that and say, well, that's unreasonable. That's discipleship. That's what discipleship is. That is what discipleship is. Folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear your ideas and your thoughts on discipleship uh, to Christ. It's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, and before we go back to the Kevin Jordan story, uh, folks, we just want to remind you that we have a... um, some some exciting news going on down in Orlando, Florida, beginning tomorrow, which is Monday, uh, August 19th. And that is, uh, we are introducing a whole new version of Christian Questions. It's called Christian Questions Daily. It is a one-half-hour program. It's the bite-sized version of our two-hour Sunday morning broadcast. And we're going to be broadcasting that every day, Monday through Friday. Five days a week. Five days a week from noon to 1230 on 1190 a.m., in Orlando, Florida, Orlando, Florida, 1190 AM, WAMT. Uh, we'd encourage you to listen in. You can go online to 1190 AM and listen to their uh, online broadcast. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your input and thoughts on Christian Questions Daily, brand new, coming around starting tomorrow, five days a week. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go back to the Kevin Jordan story. We've had the surgery now. His coach selflessly gave him a kidney, and it looks like things are beginning to recover, and his life is getting back in order. Let's see what happens next. Just over a month after the surgery, Kevin returned to Wake Forest. Yeah, I'm good. Hello, brother. How's it going, man? You doing good? I got it. Good. What's up, buddy? James. Doing all right? It was a lot of motivation to see all my teammates see everybody that I used to play with right next to me and I'm 170 pounds and they're as healthy as ever. As soon as my doctors told me that, yeah, you can work out, there was two workouts a day. I was doing everything I could do to kind of catch up. Over the next 11 months, through strength and conditioning, Kevin regained nearly all of the 40 pounds of muscle he had lost. 
that's an amazing thing. It's not enough that his life was saved uh, by his coach. But now what he does is as soon as he's given the green light, he goes and he works hard. He gets on the field. He's not being a fan. He's a follower here. He is following, and he had lost 40 pounds of muscle. Mm. And and so he over 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 this period of time now over the next eleven months he works really really hard to get himself in position. His whole freshman year he he wasn't able to play. Right, right. So so and, and so he he was he had missed out on what his life was all about. He was given a new lease on life. And doesn't this sound like the gift of Jesus? I'm telling you. And now, based on that, he is on the field. He's a follower. He's a disciple. He's not just saying, thank you so much, I, I can live. He's saying, thank you so much, I'm going to live. And I'm going to do what I was you know, essentially called to do. You know, he's, he's, he's an athlete. He's, he's going to fulfill that, that, that dream. And that's what followership, that's what discipleship really is. It's getting on the field and doing what's necessary to build ourselves up to the point where we can be willing to give away everything the way Jesus is explaining. Well, Rick, to love and serve is one thing, but to sacrifice, now that's another thing. Right, and let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 23. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Okay, so you have this, this, uh, this rich young man coming up to Jesus and saying, basically, what do I have to do to, 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 to be like you? You know, again, I want to be like Mike, that kind of a, yep. of a thought. So Jesus says to him, okay, I know you're, you're wealthy. You have to be willing to part with all of your things. Okay, I'm sorry, he didn't say that yet. I just spoiled the rest of it. <laughs> He's saying, follow the commandments. Okay, follow the law. And the, and the man says, I did, I, I have. I do these things. So now what does Jesus say to him? Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But at these words, he was saddened. He went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it would be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. So this rich young man was looking for a designer Jesus when he approached Jesus. And Jesus told him, No, the design of Jesus is that of complete self-sacrifice, that of completely letting go of the things of this world. So we may come looking for a designer Jesus, but what we find is the design of Jesus, and it's a very different thing. That's right. Well, Rick, we can't take anything with us to heaven, <laughs> that's right? right? That's right. And so he was letting him know that. It, nor do you want don't, to take anything with Don't attach yourselves you. to these things. And that's the point. The truest test of discipleship is that of loyalty. What do we hold closest to our hearts? And it said in this, you know, he had much property, so he was very grieved. So it, it held a very strong position in his own heart and in his own life. And so we can see that true discipleship is not just being a fan of the goodness of the works of Christ, but is being willing to say, I'm willing to give everything to participate in executing the works of Christ. Not just looking at them and appreciating them and watching them from afar and say, wow, what a great... It's not, look, it's not going to church on Sunday and walking out of there saying, wow, I feel good. I did my part. That's not discipleship. That's just being a fan. What happens to the other six days a week? 
That's where discipleship is made or lost in the other six days a week. And we see that in the example, again, of Kevin Jordan, this young man, this young athlete, trying to work his way back to being able to play college baseball, which he's never been able to play yet because of this kidney disease that he had. So again, let's go back to that story and see what happens next. After missing his entire freshman season, just over one year after the transplant, on February 17, 2012, with his father in the stands, Kevin Jordan suited up for his first ever college baseball game. Coming to the plate, number 21, left fielder, Kevin Jordan. And it's Kevin Jordan, the redshirt freshman from Columbus, Georgia, making his collegiate debut. That would have been, what an exciting thing. Wow. Now, just to, to add to the drama, he strikes out the first three times he gets up. <laughs> <laughs> and his coach comes to him and, and says, basically, you're, you're pressing. Just see the ball and hit the ball. Yeah, and then he finally gets a hit. But, you know, the, the idea is that, you know, you want the story to end up, and he hits home run! Right, right. But, but you know what? That's not what discipleship is. Discipleship but he kept swinging. Right. He kept, he, he did all of that incredibly hard work, went through all of that incredibly hard trial and time, and, and came back to the point where he was now able to play because he wanted to be on the field. That's what he was called to do. And he was given a new lease on life by a coach. And that coach, in, in, our, in our little analogy here, is representing the giving of Jesus. Gives us, he gives us a new lease on life. What do you do with the new lease on life? Do you just clap and cheer for it say, yay, I feel so good? Or do you do something? Do you work at getting on the field and being an actual disciple? Mark, uh, and folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear from you. How do you follow Jesus? Give your example, and, and what do you give to follow Jesus? Let's go to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty, but in all she owned." All she had to live on. And so Jesus is seeing this example and saying, that's what discipleship is. It's not giving because you have so, so much and you give some and everybody sees it and says, wow, look at that gift. It is the giving of our very essence. That's what true disciple, discipleship calls us to do. Being a fan doesn't do that. Being a fan says, yeah, I, I'll, I'll pay the price and I'm going to cheer for my team. Being a disciple is, I am on the team, and the price that I pay is every single day in every single way in terms of my life. Christian sacrifice is costly. Notice Jesus didn't say that the other contributions were worthless. He no, he didn't. He didn't say that. But he said that the widow's contribution was priceless, for it was all that she had to live on. There was nothing more that she had. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, what does it cost to follow Jesus? Coming up. Are we making too big of a deal out of nothing? Does it, does, do a Christians really need to seriously suffer persecution, reproach, tribulation? What about once saved, always saved? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions.
Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it cost to follow Jesus? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to check out CQ Rewind at our website. CQ Rewind, you want to sign up for the full edition. There's a summary edition that's available at the website, and it's about a four-page document that sort of that literally summarizes the previous week's program. But that is nothing compared. It's it's almost like fan versus follower here. Right? <laughs> I, let's just face it. The 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 follower version of CQ Rewind is the full edition. You sign up for it, and I'm telling you, it's going to give you a broad perspective on the previous week's program. It is well worth it. It is a free service. So, I mean, you really can't go wrong giving it a try. ChristianQuestions.com. So, so, Jonathan, let's get back to the to the main scripture. We've been looking at Luke 14, and Jesus so, so far has told us, you can't follow me unless you love me more than your family. You can't follow me unless you leave everything behind. Carry your cross. You have to carry your cross. You have to give up all your possessions, just to name a few things that he's, he's talked about. And now, uh, after all of that, here's how he begin, he wraps up this section of teaching. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has been become tasteless... With what will it be seasoned? Is it useless either for the, it is useless either for soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has an ear, let him hear. So that, and that's another powerful, powerful statement on the part of Jesus about discipleship. Because he in another place said, you are the salt of the earth. And now he's saying, if the salt of the earth which is a preservative, has lost its flavor, then it's useless. So he's saying it's possible to decide to come and follow me, but lose that, lose that desire for, for discipleship, and then, and then it's, and it's worthless. So he's really putting the pressure on being a true disciple. Why don't we go to the phones? All right, well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday. To you, too. And, you know, and, and Rick, uh, Jerry Seinfeld said in baseball, we don't root for people, we root for shirts. <laughs> Same guy, different shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and we have Mark 35. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus issues a direct challenge. Do we love our family for real or selfishly? Because it makes us feel important. What job, what sense of belonging is more important to us than living in God? John 8:39 If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. Jesus calls us to love beyond, beyond our family, our clan, our club, even our particular church. Other people's children are our children. Jesus calls us to kinship under God. Luke 9:59-60 Lord, let me go first and bury my father. He answered him, Let the bed let the dead bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And again, he puts it. Uh, Randall puts it in, in great perspective that this is bigger than we would think it is. It is. The discipleship is a is a costly uh, decision, and when you make that decision, you want to follow through all the way to the end because that's what Jesus did. 
And this is not a designer Jesus. This is following the design of Jesus. That's what this is. Jonathan, let's go to a soundbite. This is not about the Kevin Jordan story. We do have one more coming up on that. But this is from Paul Washer talking about uh, the, the churches of today. And he says some very hard things in this, in the soundbite. And we're using it because, uh, you know, I don't agree with uh, Paul Washer on a lot of things, but I agree with him on what he's saying here. Let me share with you something that I see in the youth group but I also see in the church at large, individual congregations, because we have dumbed down the gospel, because we're not preaching the true gospel, and we are using carnal means to attract people. If you use carnal means to attract men, you're going to attract carnal men. And you're going to have to keep using greater carnal means to keep them in the church. Powerful statement. It is. And the whole idea is to walk away from carnal means and carnal thinking. And, and that's why Jesus kept saying what he kept saying. He, he, didn't, he didn't candy coat discipleship. He told them exactly what it would be and said, now follow me. If you want to continue to follow me, that, this is what it's going to cost you. And there was no carnality in that. Here are some facts for, for followers. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you are sharing the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. So he's saying, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are coming upon you. Hey, here's a wake-up call. That's what discipleship is. You asked for it, and that's exactly what you're going to get. Make no mistake about it. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So if you are put down and maligned for the name of Jesus, what a blessing that is. And see, discipleship, Jonathan, requires requires contrary thinking. It requires being able to look at the difficult situations of life and say there's blessing in that if it is for the sake of Christ. Now, if you're maligned because you just did something bad or you're being bad, Uh-oh. there's no blessing no, in that. No, there isn't. <laughs> and that's what it, it, it concludes with. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. And that is what discipleship is. So it's putting a new label on the experiences and saying these are blessed. Now, they're not fun experiences. No, they're not. But they're blessed experiences. And again, it's the difference between a fan and a follower. You know, a fan is going to get discouraged when his team's not winning and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, look at that. And this person's injured and that person's injured and it's not going well. A follower is in the game saying, I've got to play better. I've got to do better. I've got to work harder. Right. And no matter what it is, if I've got the injury, I've got to work through it. That's the difference between fan and follower, and that's what we want to focus on. Let's go to our final soundbite from the Kevin Jordan story. This young man who uh, was given the gift of a kidney by a coach who hardly knew him, so he had the opportunity not only to live, but to, again, play baseball. He lines it into right field, a first college hit for Kevin Jordan. It's a day that almost didn't happen. A baseball dream that almost wasn't realized. Until a gift. It was the best decision I've ever made. Not even close. Coach giving me the opportunity to do whatever else I wanted to do in my life is what that transplant meant. It's a lot bigger than baseball. 
is my life back. Wow. And, and, and the coach's response was, it's the best decision I ever made. Not even close. And the young man says, this is much bigger than baseball. This, this man gave me my life back. And again, doesn't that give us a sense of what Jesus did for us? Yes. He gave us our life. And what do we do in return for that? That's why, remember the Romans 12 scripture? It says, you know, give your bodies as living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Yes. And you're saying, a reasonable? Wait a minute. <laughs> but see, this, this fits perfectly. The, the, in, the Kevin, in the Kevin Jordan story, you have the coach giving him a kidney, giving him literally a part of his own life, giving it away, and there's danger involved in that. Oh, there is. And yet this young man says, this is much more. This is about life. But he responded by... by, by putting all of his effort into becoming what he, he was supposed to be. And that's discipleship. That's the example of what we think discipleship ought to be and ought to look like. What a great, great story. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which he has given us. So here it's talking about the, the process of discipleship, and it's talking about suffering. And here's the point. Suffering is fertile ground for great growth. That's suffering, suffering, because it says suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character, which produces hope. And we're not disappointed in the hope of Christ. See, so there is great fertile ground in difficulty and trial. Ask Kevin Jordan. Well, don't we learn our best lessons in life through difficulties? Well, I we you don't learn anything when everything goes well. You're right. All you do is you look back and say, well, I nailed that one, didn't I? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but when you, when you, case in point, okay, we're working on the, the Christian questions daily and we're putting these recordings together. Yes. And, and, and you know, we, we have to get together for several hours at a time. We record several programs at a time. Yep. And uh, for, was the first or second recording session we did together? What did I do, Jonathan? Y- you erased a program. <laughs> All that time and effort we put into it, it was gone. It was gone. And when I erased it, I mean I erased it. And I and I had to look at Jonathan across the table and say, You're not gonna believe what I just did. Yeah, and but see the lesson was now every time we go to save it, I am like as careful as careful can be. That's right. Because you learn by the difficulties. You learn by the mistakes, you learn by things that don't go the way you want them to. That's discipleship. And Jonathan, there are several points here we want to just touch on. And now, we, we obviously don't have time to discuss them, but we want to touch on these aspects of Christian sacrifice. Persecution. All right, persecution. That means to be pursued. And persecution is means that people are, are, are sort of singling you out and looking at you differently and not with necessarily very kind eyes. That's right. How about suffering? Suffering, we were just talking about the idea of, of having difficulties and trials in life that you have to, to, to plow through. Reproach. Reproach means to be defamed or railed or chided, taunted. That is part of Christianity or ought to be part of of Christianity. If our Christianity doesn't bring any of that anywhere, anytime, you got to ask yourself, am I a fan or a follower? Tribulation. 
tribulation literally means pressure. Okay, and the, there is pressure. A disciple is under pressure because your life is supposed to be changing and growing spiritually on a daily basis. Temptation. All right. Um, and to be enticed, to be disciplined. Temptation is a very, there's actually a couple of different words in the scriptures uh, for, for temptation. The first one word literally means endeavor or scrutinize or entice or discipline. And the second temptation means a putting to proof uh, by implication adversity. So there are many things that enter into the life of a true Christian, a true disciple of Christ, that a fan would never even go near. Not even, not even close, because a fan is watching the game. A disciple, a follower, is truly in the game. Jonathan, let's wrap this up with Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 18. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the reward of discipleship today is not getting a bunch of stuff. No, it's not. It's not getting lands and and this idea of the prosperity gospel that, you know, you believe in Jesus and you're going to live with all this abundance. And he'll pay all your bills yeah, for you. Yeah, that's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. It is not Christianity that they're talking. I don't know what they're talking about, but it's not Christianity. The reward in this life is the privilege of calling God Abba Father. That is greater than all of that stuff of the prosperity gospel. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. So if we are children, then you are joint heirs uh, with Christ and so you're inheriting something. And, you know, if you're inheriting something, do you have it yet? No, you don't. But this, this inheritance comes through discipleship. It comes through changing our lives. It comes through walking in the footsteps of Jesus because that's how Jesus inherited his present position. And the suffering is just a short time compared to eternity, Rick. Right. And, and so true discipleship, true followership of Jesus is a lifetime event that requires a lifetime of discipline. Disciple comes from the word discipline. Right. And to be disciplined for the sake of Christ is what really our lives ought to be about. Called to be children of God, to be joint heirs with Christ, to suffer for a short time. So folks, as we wrap this up, what does it cost to follow Jesus? What is it that we're supposed to do? How is it that we're supposed to think? What is it that we're supposed to be? The answers are all given to us by Jesus himself. And all we must do is decide to dedicate ourselves to those answers. It doesn't mean to be a fan of the answers. It doesn't mean to cheer them on and say, yes, this sounds great. It means to live them, not just on Sundays, but every day of your life for as long as your life is because that's what Jesus did and that's what Jesus called us to do. Be a disciple, be disciplined, and give your life and sacrifice to God through Christ. And the rewards and the blessings will be more than you can count. We hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed being with you. Look forward to another subject next week on Christian Questions. Uh, and until next week, the question is, what does it cost to follow Jesus? Everything. Pay up. You'll love it, and it'll be worth it. Till next week, think about it. Think about it.